That was awesome. And where's, uh, can I get a little more house lights? I, I just see a bunch of shadows. Uh, I like seeing beautiful faces. Okay, a little bit more, a little bit more, yeah. All right, where's my San Francisco giant worship leader at? Where's my San Francisco giant worship leader at? He went out there? Let's give it up for Ian, all right? Let's give it up for Ian. Man, no, that was, that was fantastic worship, fantastic worship. It's good to be invited back. Uh, those of you who went to camp, I had a great time at camp. And uh, it's, it's awesome to be invited back. I guess you guys are in a series called On Fear, right? Series on Fear. So when Gabe asked me, hey, um, could you come and speak on fear? I'm like, absolutely. Like, because that's one of the fear, fear, and, fear and anxiety. It, it is one of the biggest things going on with teenagers right now. I mean, it's always been, but it's like on steroids right now. And God's word has answers. But I don't know about you. Anybody with like me that hate commercials? Anybody hate commercials? Okay, like get on with the game, get on with the show. I hate commercials. But there is my favorite commercial. It's a spoof off of horror movies. Um, if you like horror, horror movies, um, something is wrong with you. Maybe you were dropped as a child. I'm not sure. Um, but horror movies strategically play on fear and anxiety. The music is suspenseful. The lighting is dark. And things are happening and the music intenses and the imagination starts freaking out of what may be behind the corner, be around the corner. Here is my favorite commercial. Let's hide in the attic. No, in the basement. Why can't we just get in the running car? You're crazy. Let's hide behind the chainsaws. Smart. Yeah, okay. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. Shh, I'm being quiet. Breathing on me. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Anybody like that commercial? My favorite part is that look on that dude's face. Like, bunch of idiots. Bunch of idi Now, I don't know if you heard the tagline. It said this, if you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. It's what you do. When you are in the grip of fear and anxiety, you make poor decisions. It's what you do. Anxiety and fear are giants. They are relentless giants that are putting so many people, teenagers today, in bondage. But those giants can fall. Those giants can be defeated. Because when you're feeling anxious and fearful, you're going to make poor decisions. That's what you do. Now, um, fear and anxiety are like cousins. They're like cousins. Do we have any cousins in the room that actually are cousins in the room? Okay, not that you have a cousin. Okay, yes, I see back there, all right? There are cousins. Please stand, please stand, okay? Okay, we hung out at camp, and, and uh, anyways, cousins. They're, they're closely related, but they're totally different. <laughs> you are. You are different. You are uniquely designed one of a kind. But you are related. You are related. 
All right, have a seat. Here's, here's a definition of anxiety. I put it on the screen. Anxiety is this. It's an irrational what if. What if future-oriented kind of fear. It's, I feel a lump. What if it's cancer? What if I'm going to die? It could be a zit. Okay? That needs to be popped. Okay? Anxiety is your brain goes crazy of what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if I get asked out? What if I don't get asked out? What if I, 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 want, I pursue this friendship and they like me? What if I pursue the friendship and they reject me? In a constant state of anxiety, the what if questions. Fear, fear is a reaction to a specific observable danger all right, or consequence. I mean, it's something real that has consequences. Like my, my friend has cancer. So it's a real thing, not what if. My friend has cancer. Oh, oh my goodness, are they going to die? I just got caught watching porn. I'm in big trouble. Something real, something tangible that has consequences. Now, the origin of fear and anxiety goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and as soon as sin happened, everything changed. Before sin, there was no anxiety or fear. They lived in the garden freely. They walked around with no clothes on. There's no big deal. But as soon as sin happened, they remembered what God said, that if you eat of this one tree, you will die. You will surely die. What does that mean? We just, we just ate of this fruit. We're not supposed to do that. What am I going to happen? What's going to happen? What does death mean? Then fear, something real happened, and they hid. They ran and hid. Fear and anxiety goes all the way back to sin. All right, now if you're taking notes or taking uh, pictures of the screen there, anxiety and fear are tools Satan uses. They are some of his favorite tools, but they can be defeated. You see, Satan doesn't have a big toolbox. He has a little bag that he uses all the time. Temptation's one of them, but fear and anxiety is one of his favorite tools because he knows, because he knows what it does to you. If you've ever had fear and anxiety, it affects you physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. It affects every area of your life. Panic attacks, apprehension, being paralyzed, I can't make a decision, fear of failure, anxiety of success, uh, fear of what people think of you, what they're going to say about you, stress and anxiety about change, rejection, I don't have enough money. Ah, it affects every area of your life, and Satan knows that. That's why he re reaches into his bag. He says, okay, I'm going to try this situation. Watch you freak out. I'm going to throw this at you, see how stressed you get. I'm going to let this real thing happen in your friend group. It's going to cause you to be fearful. And when you're alone at night and you're all by yourself and you start thinking the what-if questions and your blood pressure goes up and Satan goes, man, my tools work every single How did I turn that off? I didn't touch it. Satan. Anxiety and fear, why, why do they always work? Because anxiety and fear always, always, always puts you in bondage. 
How many of you, you don't have to say the situation, how many of you have been so stressed, so anxious, so fearful, you kind of felt paralyzed? Can I see your hand? I got my hands up. I got two. Right, because Satan knows I'm going to pull this out of my bag because I want to put you in bondage. I'm going to put you in bondage. That's why he uses them all often, but guess what? That's why the Bible talks about fear and anxiety a lot. God knows what freaks us out, scares us, makes us anxious. Do you know that there is a Bible verse, do not fear for every day of the year in the Bible? There's 365 verses on do not fear. Because God knows every day we're going to be scared about something. There's, there's verses on anxiety that I'm going to talk about. God knows that because um, he knows we're going to get scared. He's going to get scared. So let me talk about, before we dive into Scripture, what are, they comf- what, what are some seeds of anxiety and, and fear? Because we all have it, but maybe the seeds look a little different. Here's the first anxiety of fear is something in our upbringing um, triggers fear and anxiety. Now, I grew up in a large home. Okay, there were Bonnie, Barry, Betty, Becky, Bobby. Ten years later, Brindy and Bradley showed up. We also had two foster kids. Um, we lived in the Bay Area, very expensive. Um, I grew up, did not realize it, but I grew up, the regular shopping place that we went to were thrift stores. Marshalls. Nothing against Marshalls, I'm just saying. I didn't go to the nice stores. I couldn't wear basketball shoes like my other teammates could wear basketball shoes because my dad couldn't afford it. Um, We joked, like, I never had Captain Crunch until I was in college because we had puffed rice. It was basically styrofoam in milk with tons of sugar. See, I didn't realize it growing up. That's what it was normal to me. We never had enough money. Um, but I, I started working full-time. I mean, not full-time, but money for myself at the age of 14. I was financially independent from my parents at age 14. Bought my own clothes, bought my car at 16. Uh, paid for my way through college. Didn't think anything of it. And then years later, now I'm married with children. And every single time, I didn't realize this for many years. Every single time money got tight in our home, guess what happened to me? Anxiety. I became grouchy. My patience, I would snap at my wife. Normally I don't do that. Snap at my daughters. It was, it was really about like 10 years ago I realized when money is tight, that triggers me. It goes all the way back to when I was a boy that we grew up not having much at all. What, what are triggers? You have, everybody has different triggers. The other trigger is of seeds of anxiety and fear is secret sins. I have a sinful secret. I blew it, I messed up, and I'm anxious because, and fearful I don't want it to get out. So I gotta lie, and I gotta remember the lies because I gotta keep lying, and all it does is add anxiety and fear. That's why God says confess your sins, get it out. God did not design the human body to carry guilt. He didn't design. Do we mess up? Screw it. Absolutely. That's why one of my favorite verses in the Bible is this. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins every single time and clean us up from unrighteousness. And then we can like, okay, I'm right with God. doesn't mean it gives me permission to just go, sin, go sinning. It's just God knows we were not designed physically and emotionally to carry around guilt. 
secret sins do this. Another seed of anxiety and fear is desire for control. Does any of you know somebody who is a control freak? Okay. Are you thinking of your moms right now? Okay. Okay. Don't point. All right. How many of you, if you're honest enough, secure in your manhood and womanhood, you say, yeah, I, I, I like being in control. Can I see some honesty? Oh, my goodness. Look at all the honesty. I like being in control. Actually, we should all have, have our hands up because we're all control freaks. Some of us just hide it better than others. When we desire control, we are setting the table for anxiety and fear because we can't control Jack. All we can control is our response to life. But somehow we think, if I can just control this relationship, if I can just control this person, if I can just control my environments, then I'll be happy. Guess what? You'll never be happy, but you will always be stressed out. This is a big one of anxiety and fear is this called fear of man. This is a human problem, but it begins to show in middle school, begins to flower in high school. Is being consumed by what people think about you. I hope they like me. Put on a new outfit. I hope people like it. I, I changed something, my appearance. I hope I'm recognized. I hope people don't laugh at me. Fear of man is a real thing. I struggled with this. I was so skinny. I was so skinny. I was, all the jokes, but my ears are sticking out so wide. Barry, you got to wear skis in the shower and you know, help you not go down the drain. And they're going, ha, 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 ha. And I laughed on the outside, but I was dying on the inside. Mocked. At six, I remember looking in the mirror and going, God, you made a mistake. At 16 years old, I was like, Screw it. This is, this is who God made me to be. I'm going to accept it because I can't change it. I have like really curly hair. If it gets long, it goes like an afro. I, seriously, I wore like stuff that afros have, okay? Because they're like, and then it was like, did you get a perm? I was like, no. But I remember the freedom that I experienced at 16 when I was like, screw it. This is who God made me. I'm just going to be Barry. And if they don't like it, I guess they're not my friends. And in the correct way, I'm like, I don't care. And I experience freedom. There's a passage, Proverbs, that says this, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Meaning it's a done deal. You, it's, it's provable. You are, if you're fearful of man and you're anxious of what people are thinking about you, what if they're saying this about me? You're going to be in bondage. It's a snare. It's, it's an entrapment. It's, it's it chains around your ankles. But those who trust in God are like, you know what? I'm going to place my trust in God. God knows my future. God knows my heart. And what he thinks of me is more important than me what my peers think of me. Man, you're going to be kept safe. You're going to be good. You're going to be good. You're going to sleep better. You're going to have less acne. 
All right. I mean, it's going to change. I experienced that at 16. Did I gain weight? No. I was still skinny. Some of the girls I had crushes on, they would never go out and date with me because of my appearance. But all my friends that were ripped and got muscles giving birth to other muscles. <laughs> and as 16 year olds, like, man, I wish I was like him. All of them are huge today. I got a little baby bump here, that's it. Bottom line, God made me, and I'm like, fine. And my wife loves me, and that's really all I care, I care about. Really do. So here's some, here's some tools. Um, there are some antidotes, antidotes against fear and anxiety. First one is having the peace of God. Having the peace of God. And the peace of God comes from the God of peace. You can't make it up. You can't conjure it up. It comes from trusting in God. Fear of man proves to be a snare, but those who trust in him will be kept safe. The peace of God is an antidote to when something bad happens, it's a real thing, and everything's there like, I'm going to be afraid. Still remember on, August, on April, a number of years ago, getting the call from my good friend who's also my doctor, saying, are, are you home yet? Yeah, I just pulled up in the driveway. Is, can, you, can you put candy on the phone? Can I talk to both of you? Sure, no problem. Doesn't think anything of it. I forgot about the test my, that he took on my wife three weeks prior. And he sits down and he says, Candy, on the speakerphone, you have cancer. And it's serious. And then he's tearing up. It's never a good sign when your doctor friend is tearing up. Now that was something I was afraid of until I got the peace of God. Did the cancer go away immediately? No, but God walked with me and Candy, sometimes carried us. And every time Satan, that punk, started messing with our brains and emotion, we reached out and did what I'm going to tell you to do from Scripture, and the peace of God came and we can make it through another day. Peace of God is a gift from God. I've used this passage. I'm going to walk you through quickly through a passage and then tell you a story about my daughter and uh, her victory over fear and anxiety. But this passage I'm going to walk you through is the most used passage I've used since this thing called COVID showed up. I've had people absolutely paralyzed with fear and anxiety. Like I'm in the young men who grew up in this youth group. I'm in the military. I don't want to take the vaccine, but they will kick me out, and I have to pay back all the benefits. It's a real thing. I brought him to this passage. I've had uh, people all over different ages of life, ages and stages, paralyzed with anxiety, and I brought him to this passage. It applies to you, teenagers. Here's the peace of God. It says this, um, Philippians. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice in the Lord. You know what rejoice means? Uh, choose joy. Turn to somebody and say, choose joy. Turn to somebody on the other side and say, choose joy. Why? Jo joy is a choice. Joy isn't a drop that you put in your mouth in the morning. I have joy. 
Joy isn't you put on the shirt. I've seen a bunch of shirts lately. Joy, that doesn't mean you have joy. Joy is a choice. He's saying choose joy. I'm going to say it again. Choose joy. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness doesn't mean to be weak or wimpy. Gentleness means strength under control. Picture of this is a bridled horse. Anybody, any horse lovers out there? God's greatest animals. Why is it God's greatest animals? Because Jesus, when he comes back, will be riding one. Although I'm allergic to horses. I get around horses and I'm like, I can't breathe. I've got to be rushed to the hospital. Horses out of control are dangerous and killers. A horse, God made him so cool that every time they walk, they flex. Every time they chew, it's like muscle, muscle. They're just showing off. A bridle horse that's under control, you can place a two-year-old on top and be safe. So when everything is out of control and emotionally wanting to freak out, you got to choose joy. I'm going to say it again. You've got to choose joy. Let your strength under control be evident to all your friends. He says, the Lord, excuse me, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Next verse. Do not be anxious about most things. Is that what it says? Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Is that unrealistic? No. Actually, what I think the better translation of this is don't remain anxious about anything. Why? Because things happen and our brain goes, what about this? What if this, what if this happens? What if it doesn't happen? When that happens, go, I'm not going to stay there. And in every situation, here's, here's kind of a formula. In every situation, by prayer, that means talking to God. Petition means, uh, God, here's my list. I'm going to write down, I really need help with this. Talk to God, give him your list. We often miss this, with thanksgiving. This situation's scary. But God, I'm going to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I'm feeling this. I'm going to give you my anxiety. I'm going to, I'm going to prayer. Here's my whole list. Help me, help me, help me, help me. But I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful it could be worse, that it, but it's not. That's just being real. Take all of that and give it to God. Give it all to God. Present it to God. Boom. And then here's the promise. When this happens, choose this and then do that. And then here's the result. And the peace of God that transcends or means goes way beyond what you can understand. God, I understand this much. But he takes you here. Because you have the peace of God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your what? Heart. That's emotions. When we're fearful and anxious, what's going on with our emotions? But when we have the peace of God, our emotions are, God's going to help us guard our emotions. Guard our hearts. Guard what else? Our mind. What if? What if he doesn't like me? What if she says no? Mind. Where does Satan get the most, uh, most um, victories? 
at night when you're alone. Right, adults? Same thing. We're not exempt from this. But we have the peace of God that God just says, you know what? You've given me it all. I got this. I'm going to help guard your emotions. I'm going to help guard your mind. And it's all in Christ Jesus. Not in your parents. Not in your friends. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. I'm telling you, this, this formula worked every single time when I have gone through the deepest, darkest, scariest chapters of my life. I run to this passage and others and bring it all to God. If you ever see me driving around in my truck um, in Kitsap County and no one's in the, in, the, in the car and you see this, guess what I'm doing? What? Praying. Oh, I, I sing too. That, if I'm singing, my head's kind of going like this, okay, <laughs> to the beat. But if you see my mouth moving, sometimes I'm even upset. There's my pastor. He's praying. And sometimes my prayers are this. God, thank you for this. Oh, my gosh, there's Mount Rainier. God, you're showing off. That's awesome. Other times I'm like, God, seriously, this person is driving me crazy. What are you going to do about it? You know, and I'm just, I'm presenting all my requests to God. And God, it does something to our hearts. Now, why will this work? See, there's four words right in the middle of this that we often miss. But if, if those four words weren't in there, this whole thing doesn't work. Right in the middle of it, it says, the Lord is near. Rejoice, choose joy. I'm saying it again, choose joy. Let your gentleness, I know you want to freak out, be evident to all. Here's, it's the Why? Because God's right there with you. You're not alone. God's not in heaven going, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's like God putting his arm around you and go, I got you. I'm right here. Now, if you understand and believe that he's right here, then the next part of the verse makes sense. I'm not going to remain anxious about anything. Why? Because the Lord's right here. He knows me by name. He captures every tear in a bottle every, for every single one of us. Some of, some of your bottles are, are, he has multiple bottles for you. The Bible says he, he counts every hair on your head. As you get older, you're like, he does less counting because I have more, less hair. God is so intimate. God is so personal. He is near. He is with you. If you understand that, you understand that my best friend in life is Jesus because he's with me at all times, and he loves me. Even when I'm an idiot, Jesus still loves me, and he cares for me, and he'll walk with me through everything. So the first antidote to anxiety and fear is having the peace of God. You have the peace of God. You can go through anything. Anything. The worst thing in life, you can go through that on the other side. Why? Because Jesus can be right there with you, carrying you. So that's the antidote. Second antidote is this go on offense. Go on offense. Fear and anxiety are all reactions that make us inside and sometimes outside do this. 
protection mode. We go, we got to protect. Oh my gosh, this is going to happen. What if this happens? And we're all in protection mode. No. Go on offense. Why? Because the Lord is near. Jesus says, um, in this world, you're going to have troubles. And we're like, no, duh. It's because of sin. But he says, but I've overcome the world. He's right with you. If you have him as your Lord and Savior, go on offense. At summer camp, we talked about David, one of those nights of David, a teenage mutant Jewish shepherd boy. Anybody remember that? Love that. Love that story as a teenager. And the cool thing that many people miss is when Jesus went out to face that giant, he was about 16 years old, his older brothers are hiding in the tent, the generals are hiding in their tents, the rest of the people on the army are hiding in their tents, and here's a teenage boy by himself, I'm not going to wear Saul's armor, I'm going to take my sling, I'm going to pick up some stones, and he went and he went right at Goliath. And what Goliath was like, what am I? He's sending a boy out to me, you know. He's, I'm an, I've been a arm, you know. I've been a soldier since my youth, and you're disrespecting me by sending me out a boy. And he says, "I'm going to rip you up, and I'm going to feed you the birds." And he's, I'm talking some serious smack talk. And David says, "This, you come with me. You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin." But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You're not messing with me. You're messing with my God. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head. This is some scriptural smack talk right here. It's right here. You should read your Bibles. And all who are gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. And then it says, and David ran toward the giant. He went on offense. Why? Because the Lord was near him. Do you think his heart was beating a little fast? Heck yeah. Dude was like almost eight foot tall. He was, he was ripped. But he, he didn't remain anxious because his God was right there with him because he had developed a relationship with God. Like, I'm just obeying God. And he went on the offense. Satan will use anxiety and fear to always put you on the defense, and that's why you're going to miss youth group on Sunday nights. When you feel anxious and you're like, I don't want to come on Sunday nights, that is the night that you get your butt here because God has something special for you. That's to help you go on offense. Now, let me tell you about my daughter. I got three daughters, Ashley, Holly, and Kaylee. Holly's my middle daughter. Anybody a middle child? Any middle child? Okay. Awesome. She had a very tender heart, still does today, but that tender heart, she was easily hurt. As a child, a little girl, she would have night terrors. We figured it out because in the middle of the night, like two in the morning, this little girl is just screaming and you went in there and she was petrified. I'd hold her, I'd pray with her, I'd sing to her. That probably made her more scared. I'd bring her into our bed. She was really small. We, f- we, we finally, through a process of elimination, when she would watch Disney, and some of the scary scenes, it went from her eyes into her soul. 
And we're like, okay, we got to be very careful what she, what she watched. Why? Because the good thing is her heart's really tender. The hard thing is her heart's really tender. Then as a little girl, she would invite her friends. We're talking like six years old. She would invite her friends to her birthday party. Invite 12, and two would show up. And as a little girl, I remember looking at, she looked up and I'm like, Daddy, why, why aren't my friends here? It could have been a million reasons, but it wounded her. She's six years old. Carry this up. She's an introvert. Who's all the introverts? You, you run the world, by the way. Introverts. You're awesome. But then she was a teenager, even coming to this youth group. And she made a decision to... to obey God, and her friends would laugh at her. Her friends wouldn't invite her to certain parties because they knew Holly would say, um, uh, what, no, I don't think so. So they said, they colluded. <laughs> well, we just won't invite Holly. What did that do to her heart? So as an introvert, she began to stuff things. Stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. She was also an athlete, very good athlete, captain, so he's captain because he's a leader. Everyone knows an introvert. She was a great three-point shooter. She was the girl at the end of the games when we're ahead, the teams have to foul us. We all time out, get the ball to Holly because if they foul her, she'll go to the free throw line. She shot like 90-some percent from the free throw line. Great athlete. But her, her, senior, her senior year in high school, the dam inside of her broke. Something broke inside. And she began, began having uh, lots of anxiety attacks. She went on anxiety medications. Here's a picture of her wedding. Beautiful. Her husband's in the back. He still smiles all the time when he sees her. After she was married, she still had anxiety attacks. Her husband would call me. Remember, we were driving to California. He called me. I don't know what to do to help her. We walked him through some steps. It was still a battle. She was losing. And then when she moved to Colorado with her husband, we noticed a change in her. She's, she's calmer. There's that smile again. Where's that been? Hmm. We go there to visit Colorado, and that was the trip that she told us she was pregnant. And that wasn't the change. She started sharing about how she started get, she recently gotten victory from her fear and anxiety. And I said, honey, we're in our, their little living room. I said, tell, tell, me, tell me the story. She started telling me the story. I'm tearing up. Her husband's tearing up. Candy, my wife's tearing up. Holly's tearing up. And I'm listening to the story. I'm going, oh, yeah. And I said, honey, when she was done, would you, would you write your story so I can put it in the book that I'm writing and be willing to share it? And she said, yes. Let me read you her story about going on offense and then I'm done. This is Holly. 
She said, anxiety started at a young age for me when I was very little. I remember, remember having night terrors to the point where my parents came in to soothe me back to sleep. Sometimes I went to their bed for comfort. As the years went by, the night terrors slowly went away with prayer and protection from what I saw on TV. But anxiety comes in many different forms and will continue to grow within you. During my senior year in high school, something broke inside of my spirit. Panic attacks came flooding in with a vengeance as I was paralyzed by anxiety. Panic attacks were embarrassing as they often came at the worst of times. They came in public settings like a school presentation, right before basketball practice, during a game, in the hallway, etc. I'm not exaggerating when I said I probably had about a hundred of them. The problem was that I hid a secret baggage of anxiety that had been building up inside of me for years. It didn't just happen when I turned 18. Anxiety slowly piled up like rocks in a backpack until I could not carry that burden anymore. I was paralyzed and I needed to go on anxiety medication. With the help of counseling and mentoring, I was able to learn some mindset shifts that helped me cope, helped me cope. But it wasn't until I learned that I'm a child of God. It, was, it wasn't until I learned that. She knew it, but she didn't learn it. And that's when I gained my freedom. God is a good God. Panic attacks are not from him. Therefore, they are from Satan himself. He couldn't get me as a little girl with night tears anymore. So he slowly built a stronghold in my mind to paralyze me. Recently, I sensed a strong panic attack coming on. I was beginning to cry and struggle for air. I stopped what I was doing and out loud, with the power of Jesus, this is what my introvert daughter said, out loud, loud. I told Satan, get out of my mind in the name of Jesus. Get out of my house and leave. Never come back. Emotional. You cannot touch me, for I'm a child of God, and you don't own my mind anymore. As soon as I finished, I knew he fled. Instant peace surrounded me. I stopped crying, I stopped panicking, and I began to breathe easily. And then I put some worship music and sang out loud to fill, refill my mind with praise to God. For the first time, I finally felt like I was on the offense in my life. I'm no longer playing defense, especially in my mind. For years, I thought I just had to ride the wave when a panic attack came on and try to mitigate it. But this time, I was able to stop it at its source with divine power. I'm free. Not just from anxiety medication, but free in my spirit. Mm. If you have a relationship with Jesus, whatever you're going through, whenever you go through it, he's right there with you. Give it all to him. Tap into his strength. Tell Satan, that punk, to leave you alone. You don't own me. I belong to Jesus. That'll get you on a pattern of freedom. Dear God, I ask that you would help any teenager here any youth leader here that is dealing with anxiety and stress and fear, may they pursue the peace of God 
and go on the offense knowing that God is with them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.